Hi there, welcome to episode number 22, WPSA, an effective course correction conversation in four steps. Today, I'm excited about what we're going to do because I'm going to share with you a conversation model that you can use to help you every day handle conflict, performance issues, sensitive subjects, and you'll be, this model is going to help you do that in a calm, confident way that's going to help you get results. It's simple because there's only four steps and it will give you the greatest possibility of building trust, cooperation, and buy-in when you need to have those course correction conversations that can sometimes be tough. This is the fourth in a four-part series on accountability, and this is the other missing piece in the accountability problem or situation when we sometimes put off holding people accountable. So I'm excited to bring it to you. It's a process that has helped me so many times, and I've used it with many leaders. So excited to share it with you here in this podcast. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hey there, my name is Susie Price. I am the founder of Priceless Professional Development. This is our 13th year in business. And the focus of this company or my company is to build energy, commitment, and communication in organizations. And I am a professional facilitator, consultant, and author. And I focus on employee selection and professional development. And as I mentioned in the opening, today's podcast is the fourth in a series on accountability. It's episode number 22. And you can find the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash WPSA, all lowercase. So I am excited about this episode because it is a part of the puzzle where people get stumped. Uh, a lot of times when you ask people, okay, are you ready to have the conversation or why haven't you had the conversation? And they'll usually say things like, well, he always argues. Or if we, I did have the conversation, it didn't go very well because they didn't get that there was a problem or we ended up getting into a debate or I don't feel like they understood what I was trying to say, or I just get frustrated. All of those kind of things are human nature, and we need a process to walk us through so that we can be prepared for a conversation that might be kind of tough to hold, and WPSA is one of those tools. So I want to show you how this tool fits into the other tools that we've shared in this four-part series. So I'm going to do a quick recap of the other podcasts so you're aware of them in case you've missed them or forgotten what's on there and how this all fits together. So in the accountability series, number episode number 19 was the REV process, and there are three steps to help improve productivity. So REV is an acronym. You know, I use a lot of those. The uh, show notes for it can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash REV, R-E-V. And it's basically just a mind map or a roadmap to, okay, this person is not performing exactly how I need them to perform. What do I need to do? If it's a seasoned person or a new person, you can use the three REV steps to kind of mind map your way through what actions do I need to take? What do I need to be thinking about? So it's REV, remove obstacles. The first is, as a leader, looking at this employee and saying, do they, are they missing training? 
Is there a process that's in the way? Is there another way that I can manage or lead them? So you're doing everything that you can as the outside person that that is observing the problem as the leader of seeing the problem to remove the obstacles to help the person solve the problem. The next is E, expectations. Are they clear? Does the person truly understand what needs to be performed or what needs to happen to find success? And oftentimes as the leader, because you have a bigger view, a bigger picture, bigger view, you know what needs to happen and you think they should know, but they don't. So expectations, are they clear? And it's, I call it a dashboard, the top three to five things that must happen for success in the job. And then the V is verify job fit. So I've removed obstacles. I've shared expectations. We have some measurements with those. So the person knows what's expected. I know that they know now because I've sat down and had that conversation with them. Now I'm going to look at, is this person even a fit for the job? And I have a lot of tools around verifying job fit. A lot of things I do with the trimetrics assessment, uh, with the interviewing skills, with the book that I wrote around that. And it's all about remembering that not everybody can be successful in every job. It's a very optimistic viewpoint. We'd like for people, you know, not everybody can do everything, though. And sometimes they're just not a fit. And their fit things are are not only just skills, but do they do they want to do the job? Do they have the capacity to do the job? Do their goals for their life fit what's going to happen in the job? So verify job fit. Remove obstacles. Are expectations clear? Verify job fit. That's the rev, and that is podcast number nineteen in this, and that's the first one in this series on accountability. The second one is about setting performance expectations, and there we talk about creating a dashboard and how you do that. I go into specifics, and um, there's a video and lots of explanations, but basically, bottom line reminder is the dashboard is expectations on the job, and it's the top three to five priorities for success. Sometimes you might. If somebody's new on the job or somebody's performing well, they might be just the top three to five priorities for the job overall. And there's a facilitation process you can do to create that. And I do that a lot with leaders. Or sometimes they're not, things aren't going really well. So now we're going to have a very focused dashboard on, okay, here's how things need to improve. This is what success will look like. This is what I need you to focus on to close this gap. So it's episode number 20. If you're interested in that and haven't listened to it or want to look at the show notes, it's pricelessprofessional.com slash expectations. And that is all lowercase. Episode number 21 is how Amazon creates a culture of accountability. And that's where I uh, was able to interview an author and a former executive at Amazon, John Rossman. The show notes for that episode is at pricelessprofessional.com slash Amazon. Again, all every time I do one of those tracker links, it's always uh, lowercase. So pricelessprofessional.com slash Amazon. That's where you'll find the show notes for that episode. And basically what I appreciated about what John Rossman shared about Amazon is one very large organization is doing exactly what we're talking about in these podcasts, setting metrics and talking about expectations. So people are really clear about what is expected for success and putting measurements on them, which is what I call the dashboard. And he points out so clearly and it's so makes so much sense from a big picture view. If everybody has metrics then everybody understands when you're having conversations with them about the metrics and it's less personal and it's more about this is about getting what needs to be done done and let's have those conversations and it helps combat that 
uh, problem that he talked about there, which is in the uh, podcast called, he said, social cohesion is the enemy of accountability. And that is such a light bulb comment because I want you to like me. I want us to be friends. I am your leader, but I don't really want to be the bad guy. Uh, so a lot of times that gets in the way of accountability, the social cohesion problem. So him talking about that really brought to light what we're going to cover today. So it, this WPSA process is going to help you work yourself around this whole problem of, hey, I don't want to be the bad guy. And you're not going to be the bad guy because the WPSA process that we're going to talk about for having a course correction conversation is um, helps facilitate the conversation in such a way that helps you be direct and helps you... Sh- directly share what the problem is, but it gets them involved in the situation. So um, all of the podcasts that we've done around this, in this series all tie together, and they bring us to the point that we're at today, which is around the WPSA. So if you've revved, you know, you've removed obstacles, created expectations, you verify that they're fit, they can do the job, want to do the job, or, you know, they are a fit for the job, then you can use the WPSA if you're going to have another conversation with this, uh, an individual who's not performing. And so let's imagine uh, here we're going to do a situation that we're going to break down through this process today. And let's imagine that you're a leader who has other leaders of teams under you. So maybe you're an executive or maybe you're a manager and then you have supervisors underneath you who supervise people. Okay. So one of those people that you manage who manages other people over the last three months, you've gotten complaints from other employees and clients about this person's style. They're rubbing people the wrong way. So you've heard at least six complaints about uh, Jim. We'll call him Jim being abrupt and assertive. He's also asking for things from other departments at the last minute and then expecting the turnaround to be really fast and getting impatient with them. So you have gotten complaints about this and you've also observed Jim's behavior and, and seen this happening. And what's interesting about Jim is Jim is, his department is meeting all of their results. So they're, you know, he's got good, good numbers, uh, in all the places that count in regard to bottom line results. Now we're talking about a style thing and some behaviors that are getting in his way. And sometimes those kind of course correction conversations can be the hardest because it's not just you need to meet a number. Now it's about your behavior and how you communicate. And those can feel the most difficult. So that's what we're going to practice on today when we use the WPSA. So when you think about that, what are you going to say to Jim so that you can get his buy-in to want to make changes? And, you know, nothing like some, you talking to somebody about their behavior that they can, you know, they're probably going to get defensive. So let's apply WPSA to that. And I want to just kind of give you a few caveats before I give you what WPSA stands for. And I just want you to remember a couple things. First, WPSA is a conversation. So this is not me, I'm the leader, and I'm talking to Jim, and Jim is going to sit there and listen to me. This is going to be a dialogue that is back and forth. And that is where sometimes leaders who are trying to have an effective course correction conversation go astray. They do all the talking and there is no dialogue. So there's no chance for the person who needs to make the course correction to get some buy-in into the deal, right? So we're going to remember that it's a conversation and a dialogue. And the steps, if you follow the steps, it will help you do that. We also want to remember that you want to be very specific about the problem, which I'm going to go through that. As we go through the steps, it's going to feel a little awkward as we break them down because it's kind of like, 
looking at a video and breaking it down step by step and it just doesn't flow. It's going to feel like it's not flowing, but the steps work and we need to break them down so you can kind of understand how they fit together. It may feel a little awkward and clumsy at first, but after you do it a few times and, and maybe don't pick a gym type of situation right off the bat. Pick something easier, someone who maybe isn't so challenging maybe to communicate to try it out with. Try it out with your kids. Try it out with your spouse. Try it out with a simple situation that you need to discuss and kind of get comfortable with it. And after you use it a few times, it will just become second nature. Um, so, But if you use the steps, you're going to have a more effective conversation than if you don't use the steps. And a lot of times people who are really effective at this already are doing these steps. They just, you just haven't seen it broken down. They're just doing it. So if you start observing someone who's really good at having a course correction conversations, they're more than likely doing a version of WPSA. So now you're like, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me, what the heck is WPSA? So the first step, the W is warm start. So you're going to have a warm start. That is to begin the conversation with a calm and open demeanor. The next, the P, is for problem. This is where you're going to state the problem, and you're get, going to get the other person's view about the problem. Remember I said it's a dialogue, right? So you're going to get them engaged in talking to you about how they see the problem. And then once the problem's been thoroughly discussed, you go to the third step, which is the S, and we're going to be talking about solutions. And you're going to have that person that you're talking to go first, come up with the solutions first. And then you kind of guide them along again, part of the dialogue, and then the last step is the A. This is a, just as important as every other step. And this is where you're going to ask the person you've been talking to, okay, so what did, what did you agree to today? What actions are you going to take? You get them to recap and you schedule time for follow-up. And there's a reason for every single one of these steps. Let's go into more detail. But essentially, it's WPSA, warm start, problem, solutions, and agreement. So you may be thinking with a warm start, you know, okay, why would I want to do that? Well, the focus is to make the conversation as comfortable as possible, giving the circumstances. And then the characteristics, if you're doing warm start well, you're being sincere and real. You're being specific. You're as appropriate, depending on the situation, expressing what's right about this person. And then if the situation is super intense, maybe you're not doing much verbiage about what's right, but you might at a minimum take a scowl off your face and offer warm eye contact and a firm handshake and a calm demeanor. And that's only going to happen in a tense situation if you've thought about it in advance or you just naturally have a calm style. Um, but for most of us, we're going to need to think about this warm start before we start, especially if it's a situation we're frustrated with. So that's kind of the focus and the characteristics. And I've got them listed out uh, on the show notes. If you go to pricelessprofessional.com slash WPSA, uh, if you are, um, sorry, I meant to say WPSA on the show notes. If you're walking your dog or doing your dishes and you're listening to this or driving in the car, you can go check out pricelessprofessional.com slash uh, WPSA to get these steps and the characteristics of each part. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm about to, this person's a jerk or I'm really frustrated with her. Why the heck would I want to start warm? Well, it's a good question. It makes sense. Um, you know, and the degree of warmth that you're going to share as a kind of already indicated will depend on the situation. Um, 
and it may just be a firm handshake and the and the eye contact and the calm demeanor. But if it's a solid employee who's gotten in a bad habit of doing something, being late, or in our example situation with Jim, I mean, he's got great results. He's just got behavior that's not working and is really going to continue to be a, be a problem if he continues. It's still somebody that's a valued employee. So you you can have the conversation, and you're going to need to use your judgment on how much warm you want to use or do, but you want, your goal is to build trust and cooperation and buy-in. And so if you open warm, it's, it's a indication of we're, we're being future focused here. We're being trust building. I'm being calm. And if you're more likely to be calm and open, that'll at least start you out on the right foot and, and pos- make for the possibility of having a calm situation in the dialogue. And and I just want to make sure, too, if you're going to make comments about something they're doing well, be very specific about what those are so that you're not sending uh, uh, what I've had people say before as a false positive. You know, I don't want to be fake or I don't want to act like I appreciate what they're doing when, you know, they really need to turn this around. Well, it's like any any coach you need. They need positive uh, insight on what they're doing well as well as what they're not doing well and it's it's giving them feedback it's not a false positive especially if you're very specific about what you say you appreciate about something they've done and your comments are sincere you, know, you don't want to say they're doing a good job at some place that they're not and if you as I recommend especially when you're starting out using WPSA and if having uh Course correction conversations have felt challenging. Take some time and write WPSA on a piece of paper and write the steps out and practice it. So if you've, and so you've thought it through, you've kind of done a visualization before it's ever happened. And, and with that, you can prepare whatever your warm start is going to be. So that is warm start. And if you remember my situation about Jim, who's the high performer, who's getting good results. Um, but you're getting complaints from customers and employees that he's, you know, being a little bit abrupt. Some have even said he's rude. Um, you know, he's pushing people, getting information at the last minute kind of thing. So behaviors. So if the leader, if I'm Jim's leader, I'm going to, you know, this might be an example warm start. Hi, Jim's. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Hey, before we get started here, I want to congratulate you on closing the Meyerson deal. That's a big deal for the company. And you and your team really stuck with it and made it happen. I bet you feel good about that. And then let him talk a few minutes because it is a good thing that Jim just did. And then, then after you have a little bit of dialogue, remember this is a dialogue, not Susie the leader dominating the conversation, going to tell Jim what, what, what he has to do and has to do it now kind of thing. Cause how often does that work? It doesn't. People may sit in the room with you when you do that and say yes, but they'll leave there thinking no and probably not much is going to change. So, um, we, we don't want that. We want the buy-in and the engagement. So we do the warm start with Jim, and then the next step is we're going to state the problem. And the focus in this step is to state the problem and get agreement on the facts. So you have to plan what you want to say in advance. This is probably the most hard part of this whole process is getting clear on the problem. Quite often we're caught up in it. We've been living the pain of it for some period of time, and we're pretty frustrated. So you Planning this out, how if you don't plan anything else, at least plan this piece, and that is state the problem, and you got to get factual around it. So there's two steps in the problem phase. One, you're sharing the facts, what you've seen and heard. Your focus there is to be succinct and direct and to not ramble. 
See, that would be one of my challenges sometimes. I can either be too direct or I can ramble because I'm a, of my communication style, high D, high I. Or, um, we talk to think, right? So uh, I have to practice this. So be succinct and direct. Do not ramble. And then step two, after you've stated the facts, you ask the person, what's your view? And you button your lips, close your mouth, and listen. And that is the second hardest part. So stating the problem clearly, factually, can be a challenge. If we're caught up in it, we've been frustrated with it. Or if our style is one not that takes us a little while to get clear. Um, and then step two is hard because we want to listen now. We want to get their view. So you know, none of the you want to listen to understand. No, yeah, but. But you just listen and ask questions, and then you just breathe. Okay. So what you're trying to do is get get them involved in the conversation. And no matter what they say, if you've gotten really clear on what the facts are, you keep bringing them back to the facts. This is the scariest part for people because you just want to say, hey, here's the problem. I want you to listen to it, and that's it. And you fix it. But it just doesn't work. It may work one out of ten times, but that one time you're done. You don't get to do that again because it doesn't work. People want to be bought in and want to understand. And so this is this is the key piece of the whole whole process. And if, they, if they're going to be bought in, they need to be able to discuss the problem with you and come to some awareness that they have the problem. So if you've planned it well and you've stated the problem factually, you might look a little like Spock from Star Trek. So you think about Spock. What does Spock do? He's very neutral in his facial expressions, and he just states the facts with no emotion or no no attachment, right? Um, and as I mentioned earlier, some of us are better at being objective than others. And we talked a little bit about at Amazon how they talked about social cohesion is the enemy of accountability. So we have this thing about we want to go on and on because we want to make sure they know we, you know, appreciate them. And we don't want to be too harsh. But if you're stating the facts, there's nothing harsh about the facts. Um, the other piece is, is you're not being like Spock if you're saying you always or you give some funny analogies because you're really good at analogies and you make these big statements or things that are dramatic. You want to really force yourself, no matter what your style is, to move to a neutral stance. And the litmus test is state the facts, what you've seen and what you've heard. You want to be direct, uh, concise and clear. Okay, so we have stated the facts. We're like Spock in that we've been stated what we've heard and what we've seen. Then you, the step two of the, after you've done that is, what do you think about this? Or what's your view? Do you have any insight into the situation? Can you tell me what's going on? The point is, doesn't matter what you ask, but the point is that you ask. So you're getting them involved in and in on the conversation. You're getting that person to tell you what they're seeing and how they see it. And you'll be surprised that how often, if you've been very factual, sometimes the person, it's harder to argue with facts. So if you've really figured out how, gotten really concise with the fact statement of the problem, to your surprise, some people are going to go, yeah, yeah, I have done that. You know, it's hard to argue. If you don't use dramatic statements, it's very hard to argue with the facts and the facts, even in a behavioral situation, are things you've seen and heard that aren't working, right? And so your job is to get them to get involved in the conversation. What do you think? And then your job during that part of the conversation is to listen. And, you know, I talk about listening aggressively, which is to 
try to understand, um, not, not debate, but to try to understand what, what they're thinking and feeling. And it's very important. And the only time that you want to interrupt during this is to ask questions so that you can understand. Your job is to listen. And if you don't listen, you're not going to be able to get the person to move with you to solutions. You can try to drag the person there and they may come, but it may be under duress. And like I said earlier, they'll say yes and, and act like they're cooperating, but they'll really mean no and things will not change. So really listen. People will sense when you are listening. So few of us get listened to. So few of us are really good at listening. So if you will just listen, take a bunch of deep breaths and listen and try to understand, not debate. So if you're someone who loves to be right and has a, a, a strength of, you know, kind of debating or being able to pick out what's wrong, this is going to be a hard step, part of the step process for you, but you can do it. And when you do it the first time, you're going to be amazed because even the most ornery and frustrated person, when given the chance to talk or vent or share or be heard, is going to run out of steam at some point. So you just listen, you ask questions, RPA, RPSA is my listening aggressively tool and it's reflect, probe, and support. You just keep reflecting what they're saying, probe to understand. If you stay in that mode, at some point their storm is going to pass. And at that point, you're going to be able to have an adult conversation. And when that happens, when the storm has passed, if there is a storm, you're going to get closer to being able to discuss and plan solutions. So I want you to remember to breathe. I kind of jokingly say that a little bit, but I really do mean it. If you're naturally assertive um, or you hate conflict or this person really bugs you, you're really tired of the situation, you're going to have to stop yourself from saying things like, yeah, but... Uh, just deep breaths, listening, trying to understand. Keep going back to the facts when you need to, but mostly just try to understand. Um, so that's that's the goal here. And if you remember our high performer, Jim, he was the guy who's getting good results, um, but he's being assertive and coming in with last-minute information with people. Here's an example of a problem statement with Jim. So uh, you've done the warm start with Jim, and... Hey, Jim, I want you to know the bottom line results you're bringing in are solid and appreciated. And, and you are considered a top performer here. But I asked you to meet with me today because I'm concerned about some things that I've been hearing and I want you to know about them. You know, over the last month, I received six different complaints from internal customers, external customers, and some employees. And each have said something a little different. But the overall theme has been that you've been demanding, unfriendly, and several people use the word rude in your communication with them. And then the internal folks also talked about it, something that they've seen that they're frustrated with, which is asking for help at the last minute and then becoming um, impatient when your request can't be met. So, and I have to say, Jim, I've seen some of this at times. You know, you and I have worked together for a long time, and, and I'm concerned about the impact of this on our employees and customers. So their frustration is a concern for me, and I'm concerned about its impact on your future if it continues. So I want to talk to you about that today. I wonder, are you aware of this and, and the impact it's having on people? You know, what's your, what's your take on this? So that would be me stating the problem. This is what I've seen and heard. And, you know, did I do that perfectly? I don't know. But it's much better than um, any other approach in regard to 
Just trying to outline what you're seeing and hearing and then getting them to talk about it. So then you're going to get into the tricky part. You got to let Jim talk and, uh, you know, hold to the facts when you can, but just let him talk because the facts are the fact. This is what you've heard from people and you've seen the behavior. So if you, it's interesting to have a discussion about facts because there's a lot, a lot less heat in facts than there is on accusations or saying someone's got a bad attitude or some vague things that people can, who says I have a bad attitude? I don't have a bad attitude. But when you say, uh, uh, abrupt behavior, assertive, impatient, you know, things that you've seen, that's uh, a lot more clear than me saying, okay, Jim, you just got a bad attitude. Okay, so there's the conversation. You just have to let that play out, see where it's going to go. But when when you have the WPSA model, then you know that you want to get to solutions. So here is the focus when you're moving into the solutions part of this model. You only move to the solutions after you've both come to some agreement about the facts. So they're not going to get into solution finding about fixing this until they agree, yeah, I've done some of that. And most people will come around, not everybody. And if, and if they don't come around, then, you know, you, you regroup and figure out what's next. But the behavior, you're at least giving the person an opportunity to know about the behavior or know about the problem. So if they want to, they can begin to improve the problem rather than letting it fester and then they're let go. So uh, with solutions, you're only going to move to the solutions after you both come to some agreement. And you're always going to let the other person start first. So in our situation, Jim would come up with solutions first. So the way you start this is is in the characteristics are step one. You're going to ask, what ideas do you have? So Jim may at some point has come to agreement. Yeah, I know I've done that a few times. And then, you know, so so Jim, what ideas do you have for making a change here? And then your job is, as they make recommendations or thoughts, you might even want to jot them down. That's usually what I do as a coach for someone. Okay, so how would that help? Tell me more about that suggestion. Um, what obstacles would this create or if you did this or how hard would this be? Do you have any other ideas? So you're just being a coach. You're trying to understand what their solutions are and um, trying to make a list of potential solutions or actions. And then... When they have shared and run out of ideas, do you have any additional thoughts? And they say, no, that's all I think of. You probably have some ideas because you've been thinking about this problem a lot longer. Then you share your uh, solutions. And from there, you look at the list of solutions and you say, okay, um, let's talk about what you want to do next. And so that is it. And the key is you start with the other person sharing solutions first. Oftentimes, I'll have people ask me, well, what do you think? How did you think the meeting went? How did you think you did? And I always, I'm I'm hoping I've trained myself enough now to do this always, but my goal is to, and that is to say, well, what did you think? Because I want them to register. I want them to have buy-in into the feedback. I want to hear what their viewpoint is first. I know what my viewpoint is, but if you're a good coach and leader, you get people learning to self-assess, self-evaluate. You check in with them to see where they are. You don't share something they've already discovered because if they've discovered it, it's way more powerful than you sharing it. And just like the solution, if they come up with the same solution you have, boy, it's a whole lot stronger. If they're the one who suggests the solution first, there's more buy-in. And that's our whole goal here. We want to want to give them an opportunity to know what the problem is and get some buy-in to fix it because they've got to own it. You can't own the problem. They have to own it. So some people will say, well, what if I start with them and they come up with stupid ideas <laughs> or solutions that aren't going to work, which is possible sometimes. So you, you um, 
you ask the person because, you know, one of the steps in the four skills for best bosses is, and that's a podcast, uh, pricelessprofessional.com slash four skills, F-O-U-R skills, all one word, um, but is lead by inviting participation. So you get people involved in the process. Um, and if they've been heard and if they start to understand that you're trying to understand them and they've understood the problem because you've been very specific about it, um, they tend to want to help solve the problem. And you'll, you'll kind of pinch yourself the first time it happens, but it's amazing. They'll say, well, okay, yeah, I want to fix this. And, and, uh, they're going to start coming up with ideas. Well, I could do this. I could do that. And it's, it's a total shift. And when it happens, you know, don't jump on your desk and sing hallelujah. Just kind of nod your head and smile and, and listen and <laughs> ask questions and try to understand the solutions that they're suggesting. Um, and just ask a lot of questions and, and you'll be surprised. They'll get into the game with you. So some of you aren't, aren't going to believe that this actually happens until you do it. So I want you to just, um, just work on coming up with a, a somebody you can practice or a situation you can practice this on so that you can see it yourself. Um, so if we were to use this situation with Jim, once we knew that he understood the problem, I'd say, okay, Jim, so I know you understand what we're talking about here. What ideas do you have? What kind of uh, actions could you take? Do you have any ideas for solutions to, to move this to a better, better situation? And then we'd have that discussion. And then we'd go into the uh, very important step, which is the last step, and it's agreement. And it's simple. It often gets skipped over if you're having conversations with employees about anything. You want to have this step in your mind before you close out the meeting. Um, you know, and if you skip this step, you've blown it because because uh, sometimes people don't really understand what's transpired or they forget and this is your way to make sure that you understand that they understand and you're both on the same page so the focus of the agreement step is recapping what's been discussed and confirming commitments and the characteristics of it are to get the employee to restate the plan so jim we came up with some great ideas for improvement today uh Let's recap. You know, I want you to recap what you, what your plan is. Tell me what you're committed to. Um, if you if you can, you know, at that point, if it's clear, put some measurements around it. Say, hey, well, how can we measure that so we know it's happened? Um, and then schedule a specific time for follow up. So basically, they're repeating back to you what's been discussed, and then uh, adding measurements, and then saying, okay, let's meet in a, a two weeks or a week. And you put it on your schedule right then. Everybody pulls out their phone or their calendar and you schedule it right then. Even if it's a 10-minute phone call uh, or a 5-minute call or a 30-minute call, whatever it is, having that on their calendar increases accountability because there's going to be follow-up. This conversation has meaning. It's important to you and it's important to them. And you just indicated that by scheduling a follow-up call. So if you leave the meeting without a recap of the agreements and confirm commitments and follow-up conversation, guess what's going to happen? Probably not much. Even if it's been a great conversation, this is an important piece of the puzzle. So you did all the work to shape the relationship and have an effective course correction. If you don't do the agreement step, oftentimes people forget, you know, the communication challenge we hear is 70% of what people say and do. They only remember half of that in two days. And then in, you know, a week, they remember 20% of what was covered. So you really have to make it memorable and making it memorable is having them recap and then scheduling a follow-up. So that's WPSA. And then now it's your turn. I want you to use it. So I want you to take out a piece of paper if you're somewhere stationary. And I want you to make a note. It'll be in the show notes. Pricelessprofessional.com slash WPSA. 
Um, and you just write on a piece of paper, warm start. How are you going to start the conversation? What are you going to do to demonstrate sincere care and appreciation? Okay, so warm start. The second step that you can write down your piece of paper is the problem. Describe the problem succinctly and factually. What have I seen and heard? That's step one. Step two is making a note to yourself. After I've done that, I'm going to ask, what's your view? Uh, solutions. Ask what ideas and solutions they have. You don't go to this step until you've gotten some agreement and clarity around the problem. And then last but not least, agreement. Uh, and just make a note to yourself. Have that piece of paper in front of you. Ask them to recap what's been agreed. And then you might want to plan in advance when, when the follow-up call is going to be so that you make sure you do it. As I said earlier, the hardest parts of this WPSA process is stating the problem clearly for most people and then listening to understand, allowing the dialogue. Uh, when you're frustrated especially, it's hard to allow it. But if you do allow it, it's uh, like a storm passing through. If you think about take your hands and put them together like your, your two palms, put them in front of your chest and pressed against together. If you have the conversation and you, you know, if you press hard here, um, there's no movement in the hands. If you have the conversation and don't allow any kind of dialogue from the other person, there's no movement. But if you allow a little dialogue, if you soften your left hand, you'll see movement. And then you, your left hand moves across your body and, and moves the right hand. Hopefully I'm um, stating the visual correctly so that you can imagine it. But instead of being a stalemate all stuck, there's movement. Your hands or palms are pressed together and they're moving from side to side because there's an exchange. There's a dialogue. Um, I can remember... Uh, way back when I was in a leadership class and Joe, who was a seasoned manager, was very skeptical about these steps. And he was a great guy. He he really said what he thought. And he's like, I think these are stupid. I don't think this is going to work. It seems too, you know, hokey. Four steps. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, Joe, try it. If it doesn't work, you don't have to come class again. I mean, you have to run that by your boss, but I'm okay if you don't show up any again. And I didn't mean it as snarky. I just felt like, you know, if you're not getting anything out of this, and I understand, I'd be frustrated too. And so I said, try it. Try it on somebody this week. And if you don't have any results, let me know. Shoot me an email. Well, I never got an email from him. Uh, when we met the next time, I think we were meeting every other week or something. He said, well, I guess I'm going to continue to come to class because it works. And see, he was somebody, uh, a really good guy, very capable, very technical leader. He knew his business. But the joke about Joe, which he wasn't fully aware of at the time, was, and I had heard it, um, but it really wasn't my job at that point to lay it out for him. But he started to get it. He was leaving dead bodies in the hallway. So people would come visit him, and they were afraid of him. They'd hold back information, and uh, he'd blast them. So he didn't have any trouble telling people the problem. He had trouble with the listening part and the solution part and getting people engaged. So uh, anyway, he tried it. It you know did it uh, miraculously change everything overnight? No, but did it get better for him? Yes, a few less do dead bodies in the hallway. Learning to manage his style a little bit, starting to understand. Hey, if I talk to them and we have a dialogue. Hmm, things could get better, and he really wanted that. So I remember him saying something, you know, like, okay, it felt a little awkward, but the guy I was talking to didn't even seem to notice, and, uh, you know, we made progress. And, and the guy he was talking to used to always get mad at him, so the guy, Joe's 
guy that he had the conversation with is hot-tempered like Joe was, so they just had a battle. They were, just like I was talking about, palms together, pressing against each other, not getting anywhere. So uh, I understand if you're skeptical about the process, but I also want to challenge you to give it a try. Try it out. And maybe try it on, as I said earlier, not the hardest situation that you've ever had to work on. Try something easier first. Um, so you can just try out the steps. Someone who is easier and a situation that isn't a, isn't so difficult. Um, maybe somebody who's been late or somebody who's not, you know, um, wearing their uniform correctly or something. Try it there first and see what happens. So, uh, the show notes are pricelessprofessional.com, WPSA. You'll see a little cheat sheet there, you know, with what, uh, going through the steps and what the focus and characteristics are for each of the steps. I had a little self-paced workshop that I created uh, a long time ago around these. And if you wanted to take that, it has a workbook. It has a a 90-minute audio. It has a transcript of the audio. And it includes a 15-minute conversation with me to maybe to walk through if you choose to. It's optional, but if you choose to, I will walk through a WPSA with you and kind of coach you through it. So if you're really determined to have more effective uh, course correction conversations, you that program might be something you want to look at. It's pricelessprofessional.com slash communication workshop. And the communication workshop is uh, all lowercase. And you can actually purchase the class online and uh, you'll get the materials right away. So podcasts, we have a directory of podcasts at wakeabigaworkforce.com. You can see now 22 episodes and uh, have an app there that for your iPhone or you can use the Stitcher app for the Android and then the podcast will just show up so you don't have to have to search for new episodes. I've not been on as regular a schedule as I'd like to be. I love creating these or just uh have uh, had a really busy schedule. So hopefully we'll catch up with uh, more podcasts for you. My goal is for interesting conversations or things that will help you as a leader and help you build your communication, help you build energy, commitment, and communication in your organization. If you have any suggestions, you can give me a shout at pricelessprofessional.com slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, and um, and my email is Susie at pricelessprofessional.com. I want to mention one last book or a book that you may or may not know about, but it, it matches perfectly with WPSA. And every time I have shared WPSA in a class or in a talk, several people always come up to me and say, have you read Crucial Conversations? This is exactly that. It ties in so perfectly with that. So it's a great book, Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And you can get it for free as an audiobook if you use my uh, audible.com link. So if you go to pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, um, uh, audible is, is in a way select uh, supporting podcasts. So they give me a link. I get credit if you decide to sign up for uh, a free book. The audiobook download, which you get to keep. But while you sign up for it, they have you sign up for a 30 day trial uh, for audible.com, which you can stop you still have the book but it's a way for them to promote their service and support podcasts and uh, the book is uh, crucial conversations tools for talking when stakes are high and it's a great book when you read it you're gonna you're gonna relate to everything they say in there they give great examples my only challenge with the book is that there's not like okay give me the four steps i think giving people 
like the acronyms. I just find that works for me. So to me, they go together. Not that I've done something so much better than Crucial Conversations, but I do think that the concepts are there in Crucial Conversations. But okay, now how's the real world application? How do I go out and do this? And in my view, WPSA lines that up. And it also lines up with the four skills the best bosses have, which is uh, another podcast that I mentioned earlier, pricelessprofessional.com slash four skills, F-O-U-R skills, lowercase. And there, you know, between using those four skills and between using WPSA as your conversation model, and it's something that you can work on your whole entire career, you're going to be able to have those uh, crucial conversations or in our language for this podcast is, you know, effective course correction conversations. So no more putting those things off. The more effective you get here, the higher up you go in your career, the more important it is. Um, but you've got to learn how to have these conversations and get comfortable with it. And it is like a muscle. You have to work it. And uh, as you work it, it gets easier. And you'll think, uh, you know, months down the road, you'll think, well, why was I avoiding this? This is so straightforward and it's so helpful. And I'm getting conversations on the table that I need to have with people. No more putting things off. So. That's my goal or my hope for you is that you can use this model to help you in that way and and enjoy your role as a leader and help people understand when there is a problem what it is so they can perhaps fix it. So that's our goal. Anyway, all the best for you. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. All the best. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 